Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. New month, and of course, new episode. You know what's not new, but still reliable? Our social media handles where you can follow us, and that's at an immigrant's life. There, you can see artworks for all the episodes, audio snippets. Uh, I Sometimes I post myself there if you want to see my ugly face. I take pride in making each artwork post, so don't be shy to go ahead, like, and share them. I'll appreciate it, and I'll appreciate you. Now, let's talk about the episode. This week's guest is an amazing mommy with a kind soul who's constantly hungry for new adventures, but most importantly, an advocate of mental health. Speaking of mental health, if you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, or even if you just need someone to talk to, please call the Canada Suicide Prevention Service at 1-833-456-4566. They are available 24 hours a day, All calls are anonymous. And if you are listening from a different country, I'm sure you can Google your country's equivalents. And please, please know this. You are not alone. After having said all that, without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is an advocate of good things, an ambassador of mental health, and overall, a badass mom. Everyone, please welcome Tanya Borello. Yay! Hola. Buenos dias. Hola, buenos dias. How are you doing? Bien. Bien, bien. Thank you for doing this, by the way, early morning. <laughs> no problem. It's my pleasure. Mm. How's everything there? It's fun. I mean... With COVID, everything has become challenging in locations uh, like where I am, I'm mm. in Banff. And he, as you know, it's a tourist um, town and we rely too much in the visitors and people from around the world uh, for the economy. Um, so right now it's complicated. Um, but they have their own, we have good things and we try to enjoy what we have and being grateful for we still have, we are healthy, uh, we still have friends, uh, food on the table, and uh, shelter, so that's important. That's beautiful, just be grateful. Yeah. How is the family from back home? In Mexico, my family, uh, thank God they are good, they are healthy, mm-hmm. no problem. Um, I'm sure there are many people over there that have challenges in I feel for them, but my family, um, I'm grateful they are, they are good. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. So you mentioned you're from Mexico. Let's talk about Mexico a little bit and Tanya growing up. You grew up in Mexico? Yeah. You were born there? Yes, Mexico City, yeah. Mexico City. And how was Tanya's life there in Mexico City growing up? Growing up, um, it was easy. I have a very, a very big dad. He was my provider hmm. so I would say I was very pumper mm-hmm. and um, I have I didn't have any needs I but in fact I started working when I was 16 you know on these jobs like McDonald's and and this kind of casual employment for young people mm. in order to get some more money for things that I wanted and learning more about to be independent. But I grew up with um, with the support of my dad, my, my mom. But my mom passed away when I was uh, 18 and no, 19. Hmm. So that part was very challenging for me because I had to figure out everything on my own. You know, moms have like this kind of like they gave you this power through to go and you know this confidence and the love and all these um how you say like 
yeah, like the the comfort and the so the, the emotional support and you know these pillars that are important for your life and so I didn't have that so I had to figure out how to how to get that information for myself because my dad even though he was a very good supporter for me mm. economically and you know he he had a very very strong character so he was not an affectionate dad. He mm. he um, he cope with his problems in a different way. He he he's a lawyer, so he was mm. very like tough. And um, <laughs> you always have to justify your movements and your actions and thoughts. <laughs> yes. Mm. So um, no, that I didn't have that part for him, from him. So. I think that's why I study psychology. Mm. So my background is that to kind of get the answers that I was trying to find and understand mm. why things happen in some certain way. And yeah. So, so yeah. you mentioned mom's affection. I'm sure you look for that affection. How did you find it? And was there someone like a female uh, example? You know what? No, I didn't have that kind of role um I always had I always look for female affectionate friends mm. like um like kind of that's part of like uh, of me looking for for these kind of uh friendships like very supportive and meaningful friendships in mm-hmm. my life so I always um look for that because of because of my mom missing mm-hmm yeah. You miss your mom every day? Yeah. <laughs> it never goes away, huh? No, no, no. It's, it, I think it's, um, it's how you, the, human, the human nature of the first love that you have in your life, right? Because it's mm-hmm. the first figure of, of, of uh, nurturing and nourish and, and, yeah, and then comfort. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So you finished your psychology course in Mexico. Did you start working? Um, so while I was a student university, I was working in a movie theater company, a bigger, just like here, Cineplex. Mm-hmm. There is called Cinemix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so I had the opportunity to grow with the company. I was um, like... Um, assistant manager in one of the locations and then I got an opportunity to work at the head office of the mm. company in HR like in um, um in like a in an introductory role like a junior position mm-hmm. and then I moved into another company uh, for Pizza Hut and KFC so mm. I always work with young people Mm-hmm. So I always work with um, with this kind of like energy and this kind of fun and and I always have enjoyed that part. And yeah, yeah, you like the youth. So you were doing all those kind of jobs, and you mentioned that your dad's a lawyer. Did he ever expect you to be a lawyer or something else? You know what? He didn't expect me to be a lawyer, but he expected me to be a good typewriter. Just like he was, like what? using the keyboard as fast as because it's a skill, and 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 he was very good at it, and he put me to practice the keyboard, and I was like, I don't want to do this, like it's boring, mm. and it's something that I kept on my mind, and at this time, it's something I'm still improving because it was something that I was like. Pushing away. Pushing away. Uh, but no, he didn't expect me to be a lawyer. Uh, I think he was proud for me to, uh, at least I finished my university degree and and um, and I I began my career. And I think it was like he wanted, like, after, he always said, after you finish your university, you can do whatever you want. And um, yeah, it, it was his expectation. Mm-hmm. I love that you said it, like he forces you to be good at typewriting, right? Yeah. <laughs> like now it's just like yes, it's still a good skill, but really, 
You know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't really count anymore as much. At least my opinion. Um, well, in the professional job, it's required. Like, because you, the, the better you are in the keyboard, the faster you are to get the job done. Mm, I understand. I remember I used to go on my computer and there's like a program, a game, yes. like a typewriting program. Did you, Did you do that? After, yeah. They're still out there and you can still practicing. Like, it's never too late to play those games or typing. <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, and in college we had, this is in the Philippines, we had a subject or a course of typing, like literally yes. typing, and you have to put your finger to ASDF, you know what I mean? I never followed it, by the way. Up to this day, I don't follow that thing. I'll do my own thing. <laughs> I know, but it's like, um, you know, like we were talking before, the, the way you have to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. So you were living there, doing, I guess, enjoying your life, being young, and you know, how did you end up in Canada? So uh, I met um, a Canadian guy uh, through a friend. Uh, my friend uh, invited me um, for dinner and say, "Hey, by the way, we have a friend coming from Canada. He's very funny. Um, would you like to come?" And I say, "Okay." So after work, I was like, "Oh my gosh, should I go?" Should I just stay? I'm tired. And I said, okay, I should I should go. I should have a social life after working. Why? And you didn't have social life then? No, I was workaholic. Mm. So very okay. bad habit. But uh, yeah, it was a workaholic. And um, yeah, so I went. It was a Friday and there is a place in Mexico City called Condesa. Mm-hmm. And this is or the, uh, the it's a nice area for restaurants and bars and stuff. So my friends were waiting from there, and then Jesse was there, and then um, Jesse sit down beside me and asked me if I speak English, and I said, well, a little bit. I don't practice it much, but uh, I can do a conversation. Mm-hmm. So you know, he asked me the question like, what's your name? Or what do you do for work? And mm-hmm. blah blah. So the next day, I had a wedding. For my best friend, I didn't have anyone to invite. Mm. So I asked him if he wanted to come. And he said, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, he's drunk already. Probably that's why he said he's coming. <laughs> and the next day, uh, my friend messaged me and said, hey, Jesse is ready to go. Where should I Where should I drop him? I said, oh, my God, serious. So, yeah, I invited him to the wedding. And then uh, he wanted to have a long-distance relationship, which as I was not, a, like, accustomed to that, like, like with that, uh, there is a thing. This is a thing in Canada. It's not a thing in Mexico that you have long distance relationships. <laughs> and I said, um, "Why you want to have a long distance? There's no girls in Canada." And I said, "Yeah, no. <laughs> there are girls, but uh, yeah, I like you." And I said, "Okay, okay, sure. You dance, we can have a long distance relationship." So, so he stand up and dance, and and then that he, is so Mexican. You're like, go dance, and we will do it. <laughs> After we dance, we do it. And then uh, after he visited me several times and he proposed me and then I moved to Canada. Wow. What was he doing in Mexico, by the way? He was just visiting my friend. Mm. Because they studied together in Fanshawe College, a program. Okay. And how old were you then? I was 29, I think. Okay. Oh, that's like for Mexican, that's kind of late. I didn't that's what I mean I didn't care because I, I said I'm working and it's not my was not my priority so when Jesse came into my life mm. it was like okay everything stopped like I'm quitting my job and leaving my family I'm moving to Canada like everybody was like what what is this true person love. yeah well, I think at the moment was true love yeah at the moment what is that true love anymore <laughs> well true love is just like when you when you are like um you have this emotion and and things like that and little things don't work out that after because you in reality to marry someone ideally you have to live with that person before in order to experience it are compatible and mm-hmm. i did the opposite i married the person first and then i live with that person after mm-hmm. to find out if we are compatible or not yeah, but, you know, 
that's pretty much our culture, right? Like get married and then live together. Yes, exactly. But yeah, it's true. But I, I didn't. I think I didn't hang out with with Jesse enough to to see like, oh, you you leave your socks on the floor, or you know, like little things. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that happens during like relationship where you are living with a person. Or what are my priorities versus his priorities? You know. Mm-hmm. Like, how warm do you want it in the house? Do you squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom or you squeeze it in the middle? Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yes. So, Jesse brought you to Canada. Where were, were you guys living then? We live in London, Ontario, where he was studying at Western University. Oh, he was still a student? Yes. Okay. And you were working <laughs> and then you left. Pardon me? I mean, you were working and then you left everything, left your career. I left everything, everything. I left everything. No this friends. This guy got game. Yes. I took the risk. You know, when you flip the coin and mm. you just wait what happens. And I took the risk. I came here. I thought um, it's going to be easier. It's not. When you come to Canada, you are nobody. You're nobody. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows you. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what you did in your career, and if you did something, it doesn't count in Canada because it's it's You're not a Canadian. Yeah, yeah, not a Canadian, and the companies probably you know the brands, but it's not the same companies, not the same processes. It's not the, the people that were in Mexico are not here to validate what you did. So, mm-hmm. um, lots of things, and uh, also f- finding friends in Canada for me was like challenging, like. Um, like the way the way people do make friends in Canada is, is different also because you grow it's the same well, the similar is like you go you grow up with your friends right you spend time mm-hmm. with, when a new person came you don't know how to start a friendship like you don't know if people are nice or not or etc et yeah I mean you're comfortable with your own friends, right? Like you have your set of friends. Yeah, they're I don't want, me. Yeah, I don't want this guy coming from a different country. I don't know. I need to really work hard for the friendship. I don't want to do that. Like I don't, I just want to have these friends. That's it. And I completely agree with you. Yeah. So did you, you found it hard those early days in uh, Canada? Yeah, it was a year of uh, waiting for my paperwork. Um, no working, no school no friends. Uh, My only support was Jesse's mom. Mm. uh, Jesse's mom is a very nice lady and she gave me like, um, you know, the Sunday dinners and um, all this like cooking, like Canadian cooking style, Mm. baking, like all these introductory things to a Canadian lifestyle, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. The way you set a table, um, the way you talk and she's a very high educated lady and I appreciate I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna be thankful for her forever mm-hmm, for sure that's very nice of her mm-hmm. that's amazing it's, so she became your mentor too while Jesse was going to school were you guys living with him? no 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 um, you don't do that here <laughs> <laughs> well, some do some don't but I know what you're saying uh, no, we, we have our own apartment and um, he was working and studying. He was working in a, in, a, in a restaurant as a server and he was doing university and me, I was waiting for my paperwork. So um, it was challenging because I didn't have any income. I didn't mm-hmm. have in, anything like to provide. Mm-hmm. But the, you had savings then, right? Yeah, I wrote some savings, but, um, you know, pesos versus Canadian dollars is like <laughs> zero. <laughs> yeah, it's like pouring water. Yes, in a bucket with holes. <laughs> exactly. What was the weather like when you came to Canada? It was cold. It was in December. Mm, oh, my God. <laughs> it was cold, and I didn't have a winter jacket or winter. Jesse boots. didn't tell you? Uh he he didn't he expect uh, um we wait until the last minute to buy a winter jacket but he, he didn't know if the, the jacket is gonna fit me or not mm. 
It's also the height. Come on, bro. You're the Canadian. You're gonna bring a Mexican to your country, and then you're like, by the way. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah. I should pay attention to the details since the beginning. See, the <laughs> things starting starting cracking in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I didn't have winter boots, and uh, we wait a week a week to go to Toronto. Uh, we went to Toronto and then I purchased some winter boots and jacket and stuff. Mm-hmm. So while, of course, you're not with Jesse's mom all the time, right? No. What were you doing between those times? Uh, so I was going to the gym. Okay. And nice. you know what? Uh, I was so tired. <laughs> when I mean? came to Canada, I think... Uh, all my workaholic life kind of was like release and I was just sleeping for the first two weeks sleeping and sleeping well, you were jet lagged too yeah everything uh, but main, mainly I had the opportunity to join my small gym there was a cross for the building we were living hmm. very very small but they had a pool and some machines no instructor you know this is like that 24 hours gym that you had a card and you can just go in your on your own. Yeah. So that was what I was doing and I was just exploring the area, uh, learning how to use the uh, public transport, the coin, how to how to pay with the with the Canadian money, mm-hmm. all these little things like. How many times did you get lost? Oh my God, no! That <laughs> scared me a lot to, to death, like to get lost, and I was like hesitating. To mm-hmm. take the bus because I don't even know that you know that stops where I'm gonna stop because <laughs> in Mexico they stop everywhere, they stop exactly it's the, in the corner, huh? and this is like the stops and then the schedule. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. There's there's no public transportation, and you know, when you go in Mexico, and there is like um public transportation available in any time, any minute, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. You have to be on time, mm-hmm. but you know you miss it, and then you're late. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So there was a lot of culture shock there, but what's the most thing that gave you the most culture shock? And you were like, man, you started questioning why you moved. I think after I received my work permit, and I tried to find a job. Mm. That was like a very, like a humble, humbling process for me Mm -hmm. to find a job and no finding job. Mm -hmm. Because as I said, you are nobody, nobody knows you. How I'm going to have connections if I don't, I don't go to school, I don't work, I I don't go to events to meet people, right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm trying to find a job, it's like... There's no job for you because first of all, your resume is made it wrong. Second, uh, you don't have a Canadian experience, so your level of communication skills are is not enough to do a retail job hmm. or to do um, I don't know, like um, typing, even typing or reception. Typing is typing. You know what I mean, like. I, I have I didn't know this by the way this Canadian experience thing since till I started doing the podcast and I was like that's borderline prejudice <laughs> right like oh you're not good enough Tanya even though you have this amazing resume you even have this experience you're nobody because you're from Mexico probably or probably because you don't have Canadian experience that's it or you need more technical language to you work where you want and this is like okay Tanya this is not enough and then we found a program um, in York University called uh, uh, it's, called, it's a bridging program for mm. international educated professionals okay so with the support of Jesse's family and Jesse I made it work I took the Greyhound almost daily to go to York University from London and start these classes, even though my level of English wasn't very good because mm. I had the minimum for like the benchmark, mm. but it's this technical university language that you need to 
to to go no mm-hmm. so uh i did that program and um i met more people from all over the world that come they came to canada to toronto to to live and to work uh, as a professional mm-hmm. and i learned from them and also also another cultural shock was the way you learn in canada is different like mm-hmm. th- like you know the way you make um a summary you have to use different words and it's not like you know you go on google and you copy a paragraph and you put it in a in the word paper no that is plagiarism and it's a <laughs> and it's and it's a, a criminal thing Offense, so you, yeah and so you have to learn to 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 do these things different and that also the way of yeah, I, I got a lot of experience in that process as well. Mm-hmm. Did you make a lot of friends there? Um, some friends, um, but the, also the region. I live in London when they live in Toronto. So mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, 15 minutes and we get there and we gather. It's not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I st- I'm still in contact with some of them. They are working in Toronto in their career. and Awesome. Um, yeah. As a reference to the listeners, how far and how long is the bus travel be- from London to Toronto? Oof, like, in that time, it was like two hours, a little more, because they have to stop in every... Wait, in two every hours? Wait, this is every day you have to do this? Yes. And you have two hours go and then two hours back. So it's total four hours travel. Yo, Jesse, come on, man. Move the woman to Toronto, man. What's going on with you? But I'm already adjusted to that because when I was in Mexico, the, the place that I live to go mm. to the to the head office, it was three hours commuting. <laughs> yeah, but with traffic, you know what I mean? It was three hours because the traffic is in Mexico is terrible. And also mm. um, going to the head office is just going to the mountain where all the head offices are. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure you were homesick. What do you do when you were homesick? I was when I, when I, um, all this, like, <laughs> when I was doing this travel, it's like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing here if I had, you know, just, just this comfort thing that comes from your ego, like, mm-hmm. calling you, like, why are you doing this? Like, why, why are you suffering? Why? But, but the, the good part is like, you, you're gaining something. Mm-hmm. What made you stay, though? So I was here already. <laughs> it's so Mexican. Like I'm here. Yeah, I was here. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go back. Uh, betray it, you know. <laughs> Defeat it. Okay, so you wanna? You don't wanna go back to dad, and dad's like, dad, I can't. And dad is like, hmm, I told you, you should have just studied typing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna give up. I'm not giving up. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Do you think immigration changed you? Yeah, I'm a better person. I um, acquire more values and um, I think um, I learn more about how to how to have this mix between good things from Mexico and the Canadian style, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like that good mix of, of things. Amen. What's the hardest thing and the easiest thing about being an immigrant? The hardest thing, I think, is just to prove that you are someone. The daily battle of proving your worth. And the easiest thing, I think, is just enjoy the opportunity of seeing snow, you know, um, the opportunity of um, trying different things. I, I think it's the easiest like enjoying is the easiest. Yeah, the freedom, the privilege. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. And then now, so you were in London slash Toronto, and then now you live in Banff. How did you end there? Um, so Jesse got a job at the Fairmont and HR after finishing his career and getting some experience. He had the amazing opportunity to work at the Fairmont. In Fairmont Hotel. Yeah. The, the HR famous, department, mm-hmm. and I got an opportunity to work in events as a server, and that was another another 
life changer because it had that job, even though at the beginning was challenging also to learn and the processes, huh. it mm. gave me it gave me friends. Mm, young friends. Again. <laughs> it gave me young friends that I learned from and uh, I'm very grateful for that. Like mm-hmm. it gave me like a little bit of this um back into Okay, it's you know when you're missing a part, like I didn't have this like opportunity to grow in Canada. Mm. And it's just like that part of lacking, like what is young people doing, like how they have fun. When, so I had the opportunity to 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 leave that a little bit, experience it mm-hmm. and learn from it. And um yeah, and then there are like like young people in Canada are very like um um resilient but also at the same time they're very like unattached mm, yeah they're no attachment man and it's just like something that i have too much like i was very attached to everything like everything, every, every the, the computer and the, no they like you can find people when they move they sell everything and then they start fresh and it's for me when i came from mexico no i want to bring these shoes because this reminds me you know <laughs> Yeah, I think that comes from us being close to our culture and close to our families. You know, like, oh, this paper was written, this letter was written by my ex-boyfriend back in high school. I want to save this. Yes. (laughs) You know, we're very close. While Canadian culture, they're very, I'd say, individualistic in a good way and a bad way, obviously, that they're like, Okay, that's my family. I'll see them once in a while. I'm okay. But us, we need to see our family constantly. Yes, yes. and it's just like the, the pieces of attachment of the paper or the clothing or the shoes or, um, you know, like uh, even um, uh, toys or things like remind you your childhood. And here is everything is like you just give it away. And I learned that like, no, like attachment is also bad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I heard a story about you. Your first time you went to Banff, you're new there, and you decided to go hiking. Can you tell the story? Um, I always been like, I want to learn new things. I want to do, like, I have seen pictures of this person. You know, pictures in the internet when the people are in the top of the mountain and they see the lake, and I, like, how can I do that? Like, so when I joined the my new job and you know there's a lot of young people experiencing bank life, and I say I wanna I wanna do that same like can someone invite me like <laughs> I I, I, I talk myself alone like say I said to my friend I wanna do a hike can you mm-hmm. can you invite me mm-hmm. so we went to do a hike but he was from Lithuania. And, you know, people from Lithuania, they already have this lifestyle. They already rip in the body, you know, like, <laughs> they're like a superheroes already mm-hmm. because their lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just uh, finishing my maternity leave, no exercise, no condition. And um, I give it a give it a try. And honestly, I thought I, wanna, I, I, thought I was, uh, I, I thought, Almost at the top of the mountain, I almost die. I want to say I'm gonna let myself go because I can't hike with my hands anymore. There is a, there is always a, a piece in the mountains at the at the top mm. that is like you have to crawl. Mm. And and it, it it was like okay okay I have these shoes, uh, these tennis shoes and no grip. My hands are tired. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, and so my my friend came back and he just pushed me. Mm-hmm. He, he pulled me with a hand and, and I said, "Oh, thank you." So that's why my first experience and coming down, I was walking very slow, <laughs> and he was jumping. <laughs> he was walking down, jumping, and but I I never I would never change that experience for anything. Like it has. It's it's amazing when you have this opportunity of, of hiking and when you achieve it and you see the top and and you know this 
feeling of accomplishment. I know that, that cannot be in your resume. I'm sure you cannot put that to selling yourself for work, but mm -hmm. it can be translated as, as a persistence of, of not giving up and and that you have a personality of looking for challenges. Is the yeah. way I see it. I hike every summer. It's my favorite, one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I don't, I don't really get get tired. I just keep on going. Yeah, you so, push through. Yeah, I push through. I mean, obviously, there are parts that you're like, like you said, you need to use your two hands to crawl pretty much sometimes. But I once I climbed it, I always want to climb another mountain. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love hiking. Do you do it all the time? Whenever, you know, it's summer? When I, when I can, yes. Um, I take the opportunity and... Um, but just last year, it was uh, very busy for me working, so I didn't find the time for hiking at all. Mm -hmm. But hopefully this summer, I can do another different hike. Mm -hmm. Okay. By the way, your friend didn't even tell you to buy proper shoes. This guy, man. I just little assumptions, you know, like little assumptions. Like he assumed I have hiking shoes. And I just didn't know what proper hiking shoes should I wear or should I buy. You know, all these things. Are there even bags. proper hiking shoes? Because in, in Philippines, we just, whatever shoes we have. No, there is proper shoes to hike. I know. Everything has a label. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I know. But there's, you know, like there's natives in Mexico or in the Philippines, they hike mountains with bare feet. I know, but it's just uh, the lifestyle. I didn't have a hike before, and it is just like it's the capacity and the endurance of your body after doing several times. Mm. Your body adjusts to that, so this, that is the amazing part. But when you do it the first time, it's hard. Mm. But you know, you live in Mexico City, is one of the highest cities in the whole wide world, right? So it's a used uh, to, to the thin oxygen. Uh, yes, uh, but I, I, I never go into hiking when I was in Mexico City. <laughs> you already are hiking. You're on top of the mountain already. <laughs> That's funny, man. I've seen you in the gym and it seems like you're always been, gym is like your thing. In Mexico City, were you in the gym too? Yeah. Okay. okay. I was in the gym too. And mm -hmm. you're always physical. Yeah, that kind of physical like yeah lifting weights yeah but because to me it's a way to keep your body fit in order to do other stuff mm. where did you get that from was there someone that like showed you or thought you no really i think it was just myself my it, it was my own thing mm -hmm. that i just started developing my own mm, kind of like a lifestyle to be fit mm -hmm. okay i know we talk about this a little bit do you find it hard to be married to a canadian yes it was it was challenging um in the sense of um communication style first of all mm -hmm. uh, mexicans we are not good communicators we are not very direct we say something but we mean something else yeah filipinos the same and canadians are to the point, direct, mm. and so yeah, that was one thing. The other is cultural. Um, I learned about cooking, and no, it's spicy. And now, uh, like I remember cooking the first breakfast mm. was spicy, and then <laughs> dinner was spicy, and then he said. Um, I just want to let you know that I can't eat spicy every day. So it was like, oh my God, this is stressful. Why should I cook then? So mm. this was one, a learning process too. Um, what other things could be, could be also um, lifestyle, like um, learning new habits and, and relearning habits, right? Like, um, Jesse probably could be Canadian, but he doesn't know about winter sports, for example. And I mm. and I want to learn about winter sports. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like these like these things or 
Um, he's more into technology and gadgets and to, he's a nerd. Kind of. Not very much. He's like introvert. I would say introvert. Mm. Well, nerds are introverts. Yeah, it's true. And uh, also, I'm very social, mm. um, you know, and um, I like to meet people, but no, all the people are like, you know, like you can bring all the people to your house and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, this is not Mexico or Philippines. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's oh, invited. Come on, come on, no. <laughs> oh, also, you have to, you are invited. I'm already in that way. You have to call in advance to, you know, can we make plans for do mm -hmm. this? I'm already that. Before it was like, you know, you call a friend, I say, what are you doing? Nothing. Okay, I'll be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I am like that now too. Not because of anything. It's more of, of course, they have schedules. You know, they have things to do with them, with their own lives. Some of them have kids. You know, so we have to plan. Like I'm meeting my friend. I haven't seen him for, I think, since fall. And I said, okay, we're going to meet in two weeks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's just like you get adjusted to it. And it's just on timing also. Um, Jesse is very punctual. I learned how to be punctual. Like business <laughs> and management. God, the Mexicans and Filipinos, they're always late, eh? Yes, but no, it's, it, this is a thing. And I've been refining those details, as I said before. But yeah, mm -hmm. that's just... That's one thing I didn't have to adjust. I've always been prompt. That's good. Because my abuelo will kick my ass if I don't, if I'm late. <laughs> he will always say like, hey, you got to be there. You got to be there. You got to be there. You can't, you can't be late. So I've always been prompt. I hate people that are late. Um, but you know what? My dad was very punctual. Even he arrived appointments one hour or 30 minutes before. And I didn't get that habit. I don't know why. But anyway. Yeah, because you were rebelling against him. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Right? Like, oh, yeah, that's that's you. Okay, guess what? I'm going the other way. <laughs> you know what I mean? You mentioned it earlier that you guys have a kid. Mm -hmm. Julian. Beautiful Julian. Good job, by the way. He is Thank gorgeous. Thank you. So now another challenge. First of all, being a mother is a challenge. Now, another challenge is you being Mexican raising a Canadian child? Mm -hmm. What was the challenge? I think the challenge is, first of all, become for you a knowledge that you're a mom in another country. Mm. One thing. Second thing, you don't have anyone around you to help you, know, you know, to come and cook for you, do laundry, or you are in pain or tired. You have to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Second the third, I think, is also the parenting styles. And this is when the psychology part, if you have good parents, you have that base. But if you don't, it's like searching for this knowledge, right? Like, mm. um, again, I didn't have my mom to call to say, hey, um, this baby is crying. Don't stop. What should I do? Shake it. <laughs> okay. You know, this, this support, like... That is a challenge apart. Mm. And um, I think that it's an universal challenge of being a mother, like no matter if you are um, in any country. Mm -hmm. But the Canadian part was like the expectations of um, teaching by timing. At mm. this time, it has to oh, walk. Yes. At this time, it has to talk. Mm. If they have to say, 10 words, uh, three years old, when you are three years old. If not, you are behind. Mm. You are behind and you are doing something wrong. Mm. Um, they have to ride a bicycle, but they are five. Mm -hmm. They have to, oh, now you live in a mountain town. Everybody skis. Oh, mm. you haven't been your kid to skiing? How? Yeah. All this kind of. They, I think that's the challenge. The challenge of, uh, you know, um, even the food, like, the peanut butter with a bread and my son was allergic to peanut butter okay what else can i give him <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. Um, because peanut butter is like a canadian ethnic food right like mm -hmm. you grow with the bread and the peanut, peanut butter, butter and jelly and my son was allergic so okay okay then i think i had to find different strategies or different food and and also 
if you're an adult and you eat your, you know, your healthy food, like your piece of chicken breast with rice and vegetables, the kids, don't, the babies don't eat that. So you have, <laughs> <laughs> you have to eat, you have to cook this like purees and baby food and mushes. And then you have to learn like, okay, um, buy all these gadgets to process the food for the baby. Mm. And I think that has been a challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a little, uh, yeah. I like to say that, that because, you know, we're trying to catch up while they know what they need to do already. They're good. While we're trying to figure out, okay, what, what, what do we need to do? But I don't know if you did, but my side, at least my wife and I, we both decided that, we're not, well, at least I decided, but, and then I pushed it to her that I said, I don't believe in that. I don't believe that the child at two has to do this because every person is different. Well, I don't have more childs to experiment. So I already um, passed the trauma of that idea. No, what I mean is like, even with my first child, like when, when the society, as they say, is like pushing, oh, he should be potty training right now. Because that's this age. And I said, no. He'll go when he goes. I promise you. And well, yeah. I, I think it was a good approach. For me, it was stressful. Yeah, well, that's why I didn't want to do it. Because it is stressful. For what? It's a kid. When he, when he learns, he'll just whip it out and he's going to be okay. It was stressful for me because I was just trying to learn the new lifestyle in a new town, in a new job. Hmm. And then... The parenting is also like, okay, like a more task, like, like more task to perform. And mm -hmm. this is when I, I said, that's why I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to like uh, meet other moms and, you know, this judgment. And I didn't want to do that. And just like, I kind of keep it to myself. And, but at the same time, I was just like, well, my son needs friends. And then, yeah. Were you the president? Are you depressed? No, I was just trying to align what I need to do, like avoiding just judgment, like protecting kind of my mental health, I say. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was like, mm, I need to have mom friends because all my friends are young. They don't have kids. What they can advise me to do? Nothing. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how did you find these moms? I found these moms when I let myself the opportunity. And also, um, you know, these, they have programs to meet more parents. And this is, my son was a speech delay, had a speech delay. Mm. So I, that's the, I met another moms with the same problems and we're all immigrants. <laughs> <laughs> There's a common denominator here. I think it's called English. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's how I made more moms, yeah. Yeah, so, you know what I mean? Like, okay, they all have, these kids have quote-unquote issues, right? But then you said they're all immigrants. Does the <laughs> psychiatrist or whoever is deciding this, that, you know, like, it's, it's not... not tailor, it's not tailored for different cultures, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, but I'm grateful for these programs. I, I mean, they're... They're helping you to catch up and then you meet more parents in the same boat and mm -hmm. and then you find out, okay, I was just could I was like, okay, all the moms in here are immigrants. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is um this is a thing. Yeah, I mean I don't think that's a mental thing for the kid. I think it's more of like, you know, the the, the parents and the dichotomy of their relationship. So when I make my video, that's what I say. I realize it was me that had a speech delay. <laughs> like I, it was me not talking to another parents and don't make that effort to learn from mm -hmm. other parents. But also I didn't have Canadian moms to to say, hey, um, do you want to come ski with me? Do you want to, hey, I noticed you're new. I think that doesn't exist. Like that is not like, and this is a thing that when you said, okay, they think you're an immigrant, Immigrant is equal, no English, no education, is what they think. Mm, yes. And then, then there is a thing that is, it's not true. It's not true. 
No, we can build rockets. <laughs> you just, we no, just don't, we just don't say the way you guys say it. Exactly, and it's just um, right now. Um, I don't, I don't care anymore. I don't feel like stigmatized anymore. I don't have that mm. trauma of saying I'm an immigrant, and I don't, I don't have it anymore. I, I just don't, don't have it. Beautiful. No. Do you feel Canadian? I don't. I, I I'm proud of being here, and I'm thankful. Um, and I'm 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 still learning in the Canadian way. Um, and I just kind of like I said, the mix of both cultures and how to be um, the best version of myself with two knowledges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. What kind of measures do you implement to instill? Mexican values in Julian? I think, um, you know, this kindness and understanding of, and also being accepting of other people hmm. and being open to play with different kind of kids hmm. with uh, respectful and um, there is, there are kids that probably are uh, the parents are from other country, but are still your friends, and you have to accept them, and you have to help them, mm -hmm. and you have to, um, you know, love them and play with them, and and this kind of like, you know, having this like cultural, can I say a cultural awareness, but no differentiation. Mm, that's nice. I'm, yeah, trying to, I'm trying that too. I'm trying hard to do that too, you know, with my yeah. kids. I think I'm okay. I think I, f I find kids, this generation's a bit kinder. I yeah, find. and also um, when you are doing, for example, by example, when you talk to different kind of people is when I make it, um, you give that example to your children and I'm being myself open, help my son being open to that and and if I just keep it to myself and I say, I don't hang out with that mom because I know, no, no, no. I don't try to do, no, encourage that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I avoid this, like, you know, that bad, bad prejudice. Self yeah. yeah. Like the prejudice that you don't think of, but I actually a prejudice towards someone. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily like, you know, the race or ethnicity or whatever else. It's just like, oh, I don't hang out with them because... I don't know, they're too loud or whatever else. Yeah, no, no, no. I give an opportunity and I just always show that respect and to Julian so he can be open and understanding, yeah. Mm -hmm. What gives you the most worries raising a child? Um, I just don't want that he does drugs, man. <laughs> <laughs> And this is, I'm being direct here. I don't want that he he relies and copes using drugs. Mm. The drugs, man. That's me. Same here. That's that's my my worry because it can be very easy to fall on that and very dangerous and and it can it can take you to a bad bad way. So I'm trying very hard to that don't happen. Yeah. Well, communicating with them. That's my best way. And explain to them, I don't really censor myself towards my kids. I tell them what's up, what I've done when I was young, stupid things that I've done, or the good things that comes out with it and the bad things about it. And I tell them, hey, listen, man, it will mess you up. But, you know, I cannot stop you. If you're with your friends and you're somewhere else, that's going to be you. I can give you all these tools to use to avoid all this negative things but in the end it's gonna be you right mm -hmm. it's true so i mentioned that you're a mental health advocate yeah what's that rural mental health project it's um it's part of the canadian mental health association edmonton division mm -hmm. where uh it's a big network across alberta through small towns mm. the project is to bring how to bring more meaningful mental health to rural towns. 
Like how? I, do you guys tell them to go to the gym, work out, read? Uh, like every community has their own challenges and that you have to tailor your program's base of, for example, they say there are eight domains. The eight domains are basically like services, well-being, um, social interaction, um, what are the others? Um, developmental span, lifespan. Mm-hmm. So you have to start from your children to the to the older generations, mm-hmm. and um, I don't remember the other three right now. That's okay. But uh, so when you when communities develop projects and how how your community perceives mental health. Mm, yeah, that's the main one that needs to be tackled. So how is what what mental health means for you? How, what is a mentally healthy community? What is a mentally healthy school? Mm-hmm. What is a mentally healthy workplace? Mm-hmm. Right? Do your do your boss? Um, for for example, for you, your mental health is like at work. For me, it's like they check on me, right? They they they're telling me how you feeling. Mm-hmm. They're asking me. Uh, do you have challenges in the work? Do you want me to show you like with that, like, right? There's a help. For other, for other people will say, oh, I don't, I don't need any help. I just want that they pay me more, more incentives, more recognition. Mm-hmm. That is part of like that, right? Mm-hmm. For the community will say more opportunities for volunteer or more opportunities for uh, fix. Um, when it's, it's knowing that, the, the 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 town clean the clothes the snow right like they mm-hmm. clean that could be like a, a mental health for people with moms with the strollers for example or mm-hmm. other people walking that uh, is part of it like little things but it's what the mental health means for you for for um is there services for mental health is there we have um a hospital or, or people don't want to go to the hospital because they think they're not crazy or sick or whatever, right? Yeah. Or they're okay. weak. So exactly. So many, th- many things. So this is finding, finding what the community for them means mental health. In Banff, we have a challenge. We are a multicultural community. Mm-hmm. So it could mean, mean many things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coming from, especially immigrants, you know, with the, where we came from, like, you know, Mexico is very crime ridden us too as the well coming and then coming to Canada and like you know like yeah like for me for example asking for help because the government in my country is corrupt so how how I'm gonna learn that asking and helping Canada is not the same right mm-hmm, exactly just reaching out is like a part of that mm-hmm. do you think people should work out more because it, do you believe that it really helps you with your mental health? Workout, I think you finding ways to be active. Mm. For example, people don't like to go to the gym, but probably they like to walk or they like to run mm-hmm. or watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just to learn healthy habits for your body. But when you understand why it's important, mm. why it's important for my for me to go to to do exercise, not don't call it go to the gym, to mm-hmm. exercise my body is is when the change comes. When it's meaningful to you, is when a, is when a change is gonna come. It's one an example. They sell the package of cigarettes and and they say don't smoke cause you cancer in the lungs, blah blah. Mm-hmm. But if you lost someone by cancer, is when you brain is going to change and say, I know I'm going to stop smoking mm-hmm. or I'm going to, I'm going to have a child. I need to start smoking because my child can have this issue when they're born. Mm-hmm. So it's the power in your brain when you realize that you need to do that change. It's not about pay- telling people what to do. It's when they understand why it's important. I love it. Thank you. I think we're getting there, but do you have any last remarks before we close out? No, thank you so much for this opportunity. And um, I hope this conversation helps someone. And being a mom is not easy, but you guys rock. (laughs) 
Hey, that's too. Well, come on, man. What are we? Chop liver? Oh, and that's. Sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. No, we don't do anything. The mom does everything. We just follow. Right. Anyways, Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity and take care. Bye. Thank you again, Tanya, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Erin Yosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.